Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we talk to the brightest minds in modern sales and get their tips and advice on all things sales. I'm your interim host, Jenna Sachs from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople. If you're a first-time listener or haven't listened in a while, I'm Jenna, your interim host. Today, I'm super excited to welcome a longtime friend and customer experience powerhouse, Colleen Ruggiero. Welcome, Colleen. Hey, Jenna. Colleen is the Director of Customer Experience at FirstBase, an all-in-one remote worker provisioning software helping companies set up, manage, maintain, and retrieve all the physical equipment remote workers need to do great work at home. Super relevant these days. Also, I should add, Colleen's another awesome, badass female leader who I've known across the span of multiple lives. We went from sharing a bunk bed freshman year of college to working together at two different companies that jump-started both of our current career paths. So it was clear to me from day one that the customer is at the center of everything she does. And since then, I've seen her grow and scale amazing teams to deliver the best possible customer experience. So again, super excited to have you here. So if you've listened to us in the past, we like to generally start off with an icebreaker, uh, one of which, you know, COVID hobby came up a lot. um, But especially with remote work, I know Colleen's very passionate about remote work, not only because of being at first base, but just in general, you know, all her LinkedIn posts are, are really in, insightful on, on just the power of empowering your employees to work from home. So Colleen, why don't you just tell us what the flexibility of working from home has meant to you and, and also any fun hobbies that you've happened to pick up during the last couple of years as a result? Cool. Yeah. Thanks. Um, I, I appreciate you having me on and um, I'm super excited to talk through this stuff because of course, as you had mentioned, the core uh, values of first base is around remote work and empowering other companies to um, make remote work possible. But I have a um, an interesting remote work story. And, and so I, I guess specifically around hobbies, <laughs> I was very quick to be on the bandwagon of folks that learned how to make bread. And I took up sewing. I took up like macrame. I just anything to keep my hands busy and keep myself from going stir crazy. Uh, but one of the other things that I think is so kind of a silver lining in this whole thing was being able to be a parent. And so I had my daughter in November of 2019, a few months before the world shut down and and everything was remote. And so I got to see a lot of the first moments that I didn't get to see before. But yeah, with my, my daughter, it was awesome to to get to be with her and, and uh, while also keeping my job. I know how much your daughter means to you. I mean, any to any parent, but I know it's specifically been an awesome thing for you to be at home. So um, for sure. That's that's all really great to hear. Um, so, you know, especially coming into new roles and new things remotely. Um, and I know that you're you've been at first base for the past couple of months. I'd love to know just from the customer experience perspective, right? What are the things that are top of mind for you? What are you looking to drive and help scale this team, especially in a remote world? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. So I, when I first came on board to First Space, I was tasked with trying to pull apart our customer experience, but but trying to pull apart what the issues were and, and build the solutions rather quickly. It's a relatively new company, a lot of growth considering the state of the world in, in that a lot of companies, when hearing about what it is that we do, are saying, oh my gosh, yes, I, how do I sign up? How, you know, let's, let's get this going, which was a really good problem to have. Um, but then it became an issue of how do we then fulfill the services and how do we respond to the employees of our customers who need to understand where their 
equipment is because they've, you know, they're working from home. And, um, and so my focus began, um, building out a really stellar team. What was interesting when I joined is that our sales team was actually doing a lot of the customer experience tickets because we just didn't have enough people on board and didn't know how to, to source the right um, headcount and where they should be located and what they should be focused on. And so I had um, a mission to <laughs> get the sales team out of those asks and those tickets so that they can focus on selling to these customers that were you know, chomping at the bit to, to sign up, but at the same time, trying to build a team that meets the needs of this very uncertain environment. So I had spent a lot of time determining what is the ideal candidate who would provide a really great experience and understand the mission and, and also navigate some ambiguity. And so I spent a ton of time <laughs> interviewing and, and um, talking with teams and understanding how can we best support you and what does this mean to you? And do we, how do we get the right people in the right place at the right time to do the task? And how do we get the sales folks out of doing <laughs> tickets all the time? So it's actually really interesting to me that the salespeople were doing that customer experience piece of this before you came on board. So how did that look and how did that shape, you know, one, your relationship with the sales team as you came in to do this role and take that lift off of them, but also their understanding pre-sales and post-sales of what the entire customer journey would look like. Yeah. So I think the the sales team being a part of those requests and, and handling a lot of uh, customer inquiries was mostly out of a, a necessity in a, such a small startup. I mean, I think there was about 30 people at the company when I started. It's just they were trying to keep up with the volume and had not figured out a plan to, to hire more customer experience representatives, which is obviously why I was brought on board. And the sales team was the biggest team at the time. And they were the closest to, to what was going on. And what's funny is, is while it took away from the team's ability to sell, it actually provided a ton of empathy and understanding of what happens after the sale, which I thought was really fascinating in that the individuals on, on the team who had been doing those tickets get the customers really well, and they do a really good job at selling, which even after now, we've, I've built up my team and we've pulled the, the sellers out of those queues for quite some time. They still have that level of empathy and understanding to be able to be more honest and, and open during sales conversations, which I think is great. And what it's inspired is actually a company-wide initiative that we're kicking off eventually where everyone does some support and everybody does some, you know, some, some customer inquiries and handling tickets and Zendesk and getting to understand, well, what does it look like after all said and done and they've chosen to partner with us? What is, what happens? And, and what do they ask us about? Because my reports and, and analytics is one thing, but just physically handling that brings about something completely different. That empathy is, is sounds really crucial. I think it's it's opposite in most companies where you don't have that understanding um, and you have to really kind of work to streamline things. But I, it sounds like that was a good head start for you and allowed you to really open up things a little bit better than potentially somewhere else. I think part of it not only is is from that empathy piece, which has obviously been phenomenal, you know, the the everyone who's done those those tickets and handled those customer inquiries are you know senior members of the sales team now that kind of relay that downstream to any new hires. What I'd say too is being centralized under a, a, 
a mission of a company and understanding what it is that we're all here for has made it very easy to not have to have that sort of rift between the groups. It reduces that us and them as opposed to how can we work together to fulfill the expectations that were set during the sales process? Right. I want to drill into the setting expectations piece more too, because I think a lot of times it is just, I made the sale, here's the handoff, whatever happens, happens. And I, you know, how does your team, not only with having the empathy that we talked about, I think there, there's a lot of information gathering, a lot of discovery that a good sales rep can do on the call that helps with the entire customer journey. So what do you think sets a customer out for success pre-sales that ultimately also helps out your team's post-sales? I think the clear expectation setting and clear understanding from the seller in having those conversations of clearly what we can and cannot do cleans up a lot of that potential opportunity for issues. We've made it very clear, here's the scope of what we can do. Here's how we do it. And here is why it's what you need. That makes it really easy where a seller sells an account, they hand it off to the CSM and and subsequently the, the customer experience team. There's no question as to what the heck was that? <laughs> what did we offer them? Because it's 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 so clear, our, our vision and our mission and everything. I think part of it to do is it's not that confusing of a concept, right? We're, we're putting equipment into people's homes so that they can work from home. There's some technical details, right? About what equipment can we do? What can we not do? Where can we do it and not? And having clear documentation certainly helps. Another thing that I've seen that I have not seen at other companies is that the sellers, whether for empathy or or otherwise, maintain relationships with those customers post-sale. You know, we we obviously have a handoff process and and, and everything, but they still are engaged in in the customer's experience to, to make sure that they're set up for success. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think a lot of companies do things differently, right? So sometimes you do have the AE or sales rep or whatever, whoever whatever their title is, right? Um, <laughs> who's doing that initial sale and they're now, you know, maybe there's an upgrade component. Is that something that you have at first base? Is there an upgrade or are they doing this purely out of just wanting to see the success of that initial sale? Um, I th- you know, there's upgrade in, uh, components and there's there's opportunities for growth and, and it's working in tandem with the CSM to make that successful. I would say the ongoing success of the customer means the ongoing success of the company. And and we're so small right now that it's kind of like everyone has to be a part of that process. I, you know, eventually when we're super big, as I expect us to be, you know, things might adjust, but I I just, I think everyone is focused on that experience to ensure uh, retention and and satisfaction. Yeah, totally makes sense. I want to go back a little bit to setting the expectations again. I think Part of a good pre-sales process also incorporates what someone's expecting to get out of the product. So do you have any kind of baselining that you go off of that then you're able to measure the success of the customer later on? That's a good question. I think it's something that's still in development, but it's something that... um, So effectively, we're we're in the process and I'm kind of spearheading the development of, of customer health score. And part of that is around what was sold and what they're doing, right? So if we sell the story of 
remote work and your entire staff is going to be in the platform and you'll be able to replace and, and order anything you need to. But if the customer is not doing it, then it's a red flag for us. And we need to understand, well, what what's causing you to not do that? And then were expectations misaligned or did we not explain it well enough? And so we don't have a clear measurement of it per se, but I, I think we do use that as, as a it's over like a barometer of like where where are we headed? <laughs> is this is this okay? I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, no, totally makes sense. I think it's what what I got from that too is first of all, this project's in early stages, but customer health scoring is something that's important to you. And by understanding what they were sold and are they using it, right? The adoption factor. I think that's something that's universal across what you want to measure in a good customer health score, just how people are enjoying your product in addition to using it. So to me, I see there's two factors and we, we talked about this briefly before we started. There's, you know, that health scoring, but then there's also how happy are they? What is the MPS? How are you thinking through this as you start to kick off some, a project like this? What are the the most crucial factors that you are thinking about incorporating here? That's a, a great question. And, and before I, I answer that fully, I think one thing that's really interesting that we do is we pay and 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 kind of is driven by the sales team and the CSM team. They pay we're like hyper focused on what our companies, our customers are doing in regards to remote work. And so what that means is we're staying on top of Google alerts and and just having conversations with them of what is your remote work policy moving forward? Because things are changing week by week and day by day of are you hybrid? Are you fully remote? Are you fully back in the office? And that changes so much of what they care about. And so I think having that open dialogue and and expectation setting also helps us pivot if something does seem to adjust. Moving into the part about NPS and the things that we care about for customer health, it's it's a few things. I think it's, we kicked off our, our first official NPS at the beginning of this year, which has been very valuable for us to understand sentiment. And part of it is in the platform asking admins, you know, how likely are you to recommend us? And it's also shooting out emails to those who maybe don't interact with the platform as much and maybe just interact with our support teams or the CSM. And we couple that with general information about the customer, right? So their score, who are they? How long have they been with us? um, What industry are they in? How many employees do they have? How many employees do they intend to have? Are they remote or hybrid or moving back to the office? And so, so much of that helps guide where we should focus and what we care about. Are we doing the right things? Do we have the right comms? Do we have the right approach to how we support them? And and how can we iterate quickly if we don't? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I mean, even just all the hybrid working, the switching, like that that's a lot to manage when that's your core customer. So it sounds like you have to be really in lockstep with them every every step of the way throughout their life cycle on where are you today? Right. And remote work is not going away. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's something that I think a lot of people have gotten accustomed to or like a lot of companies are, even if they do have an office, they might be hiring more remote workers mm-hmm. just to get talent from all different angles. So it is interesting to see, okay, maybe they do go fully in office, but it doesn't mean they're not going to have remote workers. Right. Yeah. I mean, my, my last company, it was based out of New York City. And, and when I, we had first gone home to work from home, it was very much, 
we're going back to the office. You know, we, we cannot hire anywhere else in the U.S. We're just going to be in New York. So don't hire anybody who's not in New York because we need them to come in eventually. Within three months, that narrative changed drastically and said, okay, well, how do we get the best people across the, the U.S.? And then it was like, well, what if we wanted people across the globe? And, and so things changed really quickly once we saw the landscape of the world change. And so I think being able to iterate in, the, in that respect has been great. Um, and, and part of it is, is information gathering. So we were just saying about NPS, but it's, you know, it's logging details that we find out on customer calls. It's hearing things from employees that they mention. It's, it's all of these things and, you know, sales logging when they first have, you know, the first initial conversations. It's, it's super important to, to just acquire all that information to get a full perspective. Yeah. So I think that's super insightful in terms of how things can change. And I think that that's universal across any customer. I think remote work is obviously very much on the forefront right now, but it is something you see across the board, right? Where the needs of the customer may change at any minute. And I think it's important for anyone involved in the customer or prospect journey to really understand that. And I think that's part of every discovery process or should be part of every discovery mm-hmm. process, every QBR, you know, anything that you're doing across that life cycle to really understand how has this changed, right? You know, we talked about baselining a little bit of just what, what expectations does the customer have at the beginning, but then how does that evolve over time? either as they grow, as they change their internal policies, as they have movement with leadership. There's a bunch of different ways that that can go. And I think, you know, that feedback is so important from day one, but also throughout every single day of that that journey. So it sounds like, you know, your salespeople, again, with that empathy, they have a little bit of that, but then it gives a well-rounded experience to have it throughout, you know, CSMs, customer experience, any touch point that you have that you're capturing that information and really distilling it to the the rest of the team so that they're aware of, okay, how does this impact this customer long-term? Does that mean there's room for growth? Is there a risk of churn? You know, how do we navigate this and still make sure that we're the best we could be? Absolutely. And, and I think a big thing that we've focused on too is getting not only, you know, the teams that you mentioned, all of the teams across the company to understand what is the risk of, of not accomplishing our goals, right? And it, it, and that means we're in a unique position where we're, we're solving a problem that exists. We didn't make up a software. We didn't, you know, we, we didn't develop a problem to solve for, which I find in, in a lot of software companies, but literally customers want to not manage their remote workers' equipment. They don't want to handle logistics. They don't want to handle warehousing. They don't want to handle um, support. They don't want to do it because this was not what they had signed up for. And, and we're kind of finding that solution for them. And what happens with our teams in building that empathy and understanding is, yes, meeting expectations, but also what is the risk of not doing it? And that hits not only those teams, like I said, but like our operations team. And so our operations team is a team of phenomenal people that are responsible. It's not internal operations. It is the warehousing, the logistics, the all of like the retrievals, all of that stuff. And they are a rock star team, but they have to understand if a, you know, for example, if, if a device doesn't get into the hands of an employee on day one, my first day on the job, what does that mean? It's not just that it didn't arrive on time. It means that they're not, they're now not working because they're not in an office. They're working from home. Either they have to use their own equipment or they don't get to start their job that day. And so it might seem super simple, but we have embraced this sentiment of like, 
this is mission critical for these businesses to continue. And building that understanding across the org based off of all the information we, we've acquired about the, com- the, the, the customers is how we're building you know, universal understanding uh, across the org, which has been great. And, and it's what is making us so uh, passionate about making this successful. Yeah, that's super interesting, especially in a small company where you have a lot of logistics, right? It's not just a quick software, not quick implementation, not everything is quick, but it's not just a plug and play option, right? You have to have a lot of people that are considerate of the end customer's needs and that starts from the sale all the way through experience. So, you know, it is it is really interesting. I think most of the people we, we talk to are more on the software lines and these are the best practices, but it's really interesting to see like, Again, what is the the risk if we don't deliver? That is universal, right? That's universal even with a plug and play option. It's universal with something that requires technical implementation. What happens if we don't deliver? And it's not just, oh, well, we lose the revenue or it could risk churn. I think that's what a lot of people focus on, but it's also impacting how people perceive you as a company and you know, then impacts your success in your role, your team's success the overall company bottom line. And, you know, again, customers are just, they have to be at the center of everything you do. Exactly. And and I think we are in a unique position where we are trying to take the burden off of individuals at our customers, you know, be it IT professionals, HR, you know, specialists or, or you know, head of HR, head of IT, even sometimes CEOs that just can't they don't want to have to worry about getting these things done and failing to do so is awful. If your new employee has a crummy experience on day one, they don't have their computer, they don't have their desk, they don't have, um, you know, the things they need to be successful. They lose trust in the, like in the company to what am I doing here? Do they care about me? (laughs) Does this matter? And, and so, so much of what we're doing is, is not only meeting the customer's expectations, but meeting that the worker's expectations, the employee's expectations. And so it's a a unique and scary and difficult position to be in, but it's also one that can be really fruitful. We're selling physical items that provide an experience. You know, as an admin that I don't have to worry about this. And then an employee says, I chose the right company to start with, or I know my company has my best interest in mind. And so it's, it's relationship building. And a lot of it starts from that first conversation that happens with our sales team and, and with that, that prospect and expectation setting and, and telling that story is, is just so impactful. And, and, you know, going back to the empathy piece that the team understanding what it looks like on the other side <laughs> has been hugely impactful in our ability to, to do that. So I think, you know, as, as we start to wrap up here too, I would love to know, you know, I've seen you in action. You've worked at many different companies where maybe that wasn't the case. What advice would you have to a sales rep on how to best engage with a customer experience team and also set their customer up for success from, you know, the initial call? But that's a wonderful question because I think while we're working on building a system around programmatically, you join the team on, you know, join the sales team, you then start either shadowing or, or handling support requests. I don't think every company is equipped to do that. And not every company should do that. And I've been at companies where sometimes we shadow, sometimes you do the work. I would say where, if at all possible, get to know the people who are doing the work and 
build a rapport such that you can empathize with not only the customer's experience, but their experience and build a relationship there that that can help you in driving sales. For example, you know, if if you have a great rapport with the folks who are executing on the stuff that you are selling, then you can ask them questions, you can chat with them about their experience, you can um, provide feedback, and, and that will build such a relationship that helps you in being more successful. Yeah, I think that's super insightful. It's very easy to be myopic in your own role. Right. And, and we've seen this firsthand together. You've seen this probably a lot more where it's like, again, that us first them mentality. And the uh, takeaway I'm getting from this too is relationship building in sales is not just with your customer. It's with your team and everyone supporting it so that you really can understand what's going on. And it's not like, oh, the salesperson's coming to me with another annoying question or, oh, support didn't deliver on. X, Y, and Z, or this customer is now upset with me and now I have to deal with it, right? I think it's collectively building that relationship so you have that team and the customer will feel that. Even if they don't know all of your inner workings, they're going to feel that. Exactly. And, and that translates not only to the experience that happens post-sale from you know the teams that are executing, but it also goes into just the way in which individuals speak about what it is that we're doing. And a fake scenario, say a customer is is potentially frustrated with something day one of onboarding or whatever it might be, and they don't speak on behalf of the company and the teams that are executing and rather are just, oh, I can't believe they did that. Or you know, I, I, I'm so sorry that this happened. I can't believe you know we, we screwed up. Rather than, hey, let me get back to you and talk with my team because I have the confidence that this this is not what had happened that builds a rapport where it's like, hey, we've got each other's back and, and maybe there's just miscommunication or misunderstanding. Yeah, I love that. So, you know, we're, we're coming up on time now. So I do want to, you know, thank you for being on the podcast. Um, a lot of really great insights. Uh, we will talk more. Um, <laughs> but I, I do want to leave, you know, listeners with, if they want to get in touch with you, either maybe they're interested in a customer experience role or they just want to bounce ideas off of you on how to form those better relationships. Um, what is the best way for someone to get in touch with you if they would like, like to reach out? Sure. Yeah. I love all the the outreach on LinkedIn and and um, I could even give my email. I, I, I don't mind. It's not sacred. So it's Colleen, C-O-L-L-E-E-N at firstbasehq.com. But then I'm also Colleen Ruggiero and that's R-U-G-G-I-E-R-O on LinkedIn. Awesome. Well, Thank you so much again. Um, Great chatting with you as always and enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Hey, Salespeople is a production made in partnership with Frequency Media. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are found. Thanks for listening to the Hey, Salespeople podcast.